The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. For a typical middle-class family of four, husband and wife working, making $100,000 a year total with three kids, they'll get $5,600. I mean, with two kids, they'll get $5,600. I mean, and it's both sides. Even like the this cancel cancel culture. Uh, I mean, newsflash: cancel culture has been around since we've had culture. Now, how you let it progress and grow, or if you stomp it out, dictates what you get out of it. You know. Yeah. I'm trying to think the last time we had uh, where this country really let cancel culture, where they they kind of bowed down to it. Would it be prohibition. Uh, no, it was uh, Tipper Gore. The whole parental advisory thing against two live crew and fucking D. Snyder going and testifying yep. before Congress, and they just bent over like little fucking bitches. I mean, it, that was censorship of a culture. It, that was censorship of the African American culture of the late 80s and early 90s, without question. Yep. And then you ended up with gangster rap. How'd that work out for them? Yep. You know? Did you ever hear uh, Ode to Tipper Gore by Warrant? I have not. Oh my god. I have to send this to you before we start. Because this is like the most hilarious fucking piece of audio ever. They kick ass. Right, I want to hear all of you scream the hair off your nuts. Fuck. Tell the fuck off. Fuck it. Alright, here we go. I'll fuck her right there. Fucking shit. Fucking no shit. Fucking fucking mother. Fucking 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 ass. Fucking 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 shit. Fucking fucking fucking. Have to get a blowjob real quick. So. Fucking fucking fucking. Fucking the fucking shit. Get the hair off your nuts. Fucking fucking fucking. Holy shit. Fucking fucking motherfucking one. They're getting a blowjob. Fucking fucking fucking. Guys, kick ass. You guys kick ass too. All right. Uh, I'd say have that is the intro, but people <laughs> will just think it's you already starting the show. I know, right? This is your United States of America. It's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother that like to talk about everything. News, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hidden the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast with Jargo and RBV right here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, two feeds, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's not wearing orange this weekend. He's a real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. 
Hey, that's right. It's me. It's me. It's the honor to be to the Richard Branson victory. Uh, and of course, Jargo, I don't have my orange and black on because as we uh, sit down to record this week's hitting the marks podcast, it, you shifted it. You shifted it on us, dude. So it, you threw off my my wardrobe rotation where now I, you know, we usually sit down Tuesday afternoons to record. So I know Tuesday now uh, my outfit's already picked out. I uh, just <laughs> uh, just to get you just to pop you. I got to go with some kind of Ohio professional football ensemble. Uh, but yeah, it, it is Wednesday. It's hump day. I, I got to tell you here, I, I don't know how, how you guys are doing out there, how you're feeling. Well, anything above zero is a good day in Iowa. Damn right. Uh, but man, we're pushing 70 degrees here in, in Southern Ohio. Yeah, it's going to be like 65 here today, but then the bottom's going to fall out this weekend, be back down into the 40s. So you know, but enjoy it while it lasts. At least all the snow patch is finally gone. Absolutely. Uh, we, we've got today. It's going to be, uh, the sun's going to be shining. Everything's going to be fine. Wine and dining, 69. And, but tomorrow those temperatures begin to drop and the rain makes its way in. So, it, hey, it's March. You got to get it in where you can get it in. We had our first rain of the spring overnight last night. I happened to be out smoking a cigarette when that aroma hit me. And it was just like, ah, yes, the first rain of the spring. That's something that I always look forward to. And then uh, our friend Eric Lake from Eric's EDM World, he he brought up, you know, the smell of fresh cut grass at the ballpark. You know, that's something that absolutely like that's the signal of spring for him. Rick, what's your signal of spring? Is it St. Patty's Day? Is that the big kickoff for you for uh, for the spring season? Uh, you know, you don't say Patty's Day. It's one of it's. Another one of those amateur days. It is. It's I, amateur I, enjoy, I enjoy going out, but not, you know, not because of the drinking. Uh, to me, I, I like to more partake in the food aspect of the holiday. It, it's, All yeah, about your it, cabbage? Well, it, yeah, I, I like cabbage. Yeah, I can do some cabbage there. Uh, mainly the, how you can, the different variations of a Reuben and, and what you can do to in each little place to kind of make those little unique. Because, you know, everybody's rolling out your classic Reuben. Right. You know, you got the the marble rye, the the corned beef, the the sauerkraut, the Thousand Island, maybe a little Swiss something on there. But you know, you got to have that staple. But then, what are those unique twists? I tell you, you know, popular going this year. Yesterday, I was really sitting down, doing some research, trying to come up with some unique dishes, and I really look at each of my clients' individual menus and say, okay, what can we do here? But without having to add to our inventory, you know, looking to find extra product, all of that, I think popular this year get Reuben tacos. Ooh, I can get down they're with some hit, Reuben tacos. Hit year. Uh, then you kind of blend those in. You, you go with the nachos, maybe a little Reuben street corn if you're going to go with that Mexican flavor. Uh, one that, that has really popped me. Uh, this looks incredible. It is a Reuben mac and cheese. Interesting. It's good. But your question about, you know, springtime, I, I got to agree with Derek Lake. You know, it's that first trip to the ballpark. Yeah. And especially here in Cincinnati, the birthplace of professional baseball. Oh, Christ. Here we go again. There is no better spring holiday than opening day in Cincinnati. And, you know, we, that was taken from us last year. Is it going to be taken you know, again at, this year? Or are they going to let people well, in there? It looks like we are fans are going to be in attendance. But how many? Like a third of the stadium? Because I mean, that's a like third. one of the only days that the Cincinnati Reds actually sell out. Yes, it, you are right because it is good news. It is going to be a third of the stadium, which means they're able able to get like thirteen 
give or take thousand in there. Not bad. Uh, two years ago, home. two years ago when the Reds were allowed fans, uh, they were you know the bottom of the barrel, one of the worst in Major League Baseball. Hey, average attendance was only at seventeen thousand, so it's not like you're taking a huge hit there for the Cincinnati Reds. But you're right, Jargo. I mean, you've seen the pictures. I've sent them to you. Absolutely. The, the yep. sea of red is insane. Yeah, it's a thing. So while those fans might not be able to get in the great American ballpark, they're going to be flooding the streets again. I mean, it's it's going to be, I, I know the city, they're going to try to, you know, with their best with the regulations, but, you know, tri-state-wide, you are going to see that sea of red. People are going to be hungry for it. They're going to be celebrating. So that's the holiday I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, we, we've got some bit coming up on the mask mandates and the lifting of mask mandates and all you mask holes down in Texas. Uh, we're going to talk about all that. I uh, guess we'll go ahead and kick things off with the weekend update brought to you by our friends over at justcbdstore.com. Enter our promo code HTM. Get you 20% off the finest in CBD vapes and edibles. Uh, and Rick, the only thing I really wanted to talk about from over the weekend was cancel culture. Um, now we are after Pepe Le Pew and Speedy Gonzalez. Did you hear about the Speedy Gonzalez one? He's, he's too stereotypical Mexican. We got to cancel Speedy too. So Speedy's got to go and... Obviously, Pepe Le Pew, I don't think I, I need to really get into uh, the list of reasons to cancel Pepe Le Pew. Um, many, many years ago, uh, when Carly and I were, were first dating, one of the funniest things that she has ever said to me, we, somehow we were talking about like classic cartoons and the subject of Pepe Le Pew came up and I was like, yeah, I always kind of dug Pepe Le Pew. And she's like, he was a fucking rapist, dude, like just straight up. And, you know, yeah, I, I kind of view Pepe Le Pew a little bit differently ever since she made that comment. He does have a, a, a bit of a, a sexual deviance to him. But, I mean, so don't make new Pepe Le Pew cartoons. Like, big fucking deal, right? Like, who fucking cares? It's it's Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, I, I really think if this hadn't come to the surface, as you said, Jarko, would anyone even noticed? Yeah, if you just quit making, just like quit putting them in the cartoons. Like if you don't have just, to make a big fucking deal about it. Just quit just putting them in the cartoons. I mean, like most of you know the French, if they just kind of quietly go away, they're all sexual deviants. All of the French no, are sexual is. deviants. I, I know, but you know, as you throw out the accusation, he is a rapist. Can can you source one cartoon where he raped? I mean, he might have been a sexual deviant and, and very aggressive. Uh, but I don't recall any blatant rape. That's because they always got away, days. man. They always got away from Pepe Le Pew. Like, it, it wasn't due to lack of trying. You know, I, I don't know if it's it's in the B-roll there, but we were talking before we hit the record, the official record, this cancel culture. And I don't know if it's because we are, I mean, we're getting so much of it at this time. But I don't know if I've become so desensitized that I really don't care across the board about anything. I mean, it just all seems at overabundance. And that's you've the problem. always said it. You've always said it. When everything becomes offensive, nothing is offensive. And I really feel like I'm at that state. It's like it, it's both sides from yep. both angles here. The people of outrage over Pepe Le Pew that he is being canceled in the outrage that he could that he ever existed. Both sides. But then as I really take that step back. Take that long 360 walk to look at all the perspectives here. And you hear it's never been like this. We are in the, we're living in the worst times. No, cancer culture has been around as long as there has been culture. 
Yep. There's always someone that is pissed off about something and they're going to use whatever available platform they have to voice that opinion. Now I will, I do agree in today's day and age, we probably have the, the biggest platform that allows the most voices to let themselves be heard. But that's all part of the evolution of our society, correct? I mean, we have to be able to roll with those punches. You know, I asked you earlier, I, going back in American society, when was the last time that, that we had this kind of conflict between a cancer culture and, well, just for the term, the norm of the time? Uh, to me, my mind immediately went to prohibition. I couldn't imagine living in a time like that. Yeah. Yeah. The you, you mentioned were crazy, man. much more recent, much more recent. You know, that, that kind of skipped my mind because it maybe just because it wasn't relatable to my life, but it was going back to the censorship in the 90s with two live crew. We won't be banned in the USA. Banned in the USA. I mean, when they went after me so horny and really that entire kind of hip hop movement, it was Tipper Gore. I think it was even before the 90s. It was like the late 80s when that trial went down. And that's what led to the parental advisory, explicit lyrics, stickers that they were putting on everything. Um, and 2 Live Crew then came out with uh, Banned in the USA and made a whole bunch of money off of it again. I mean, which you know, was just smart on Luke's part, you know. What's what is insane right now it is then banned in the USA. You have that by young, angry African Americans looking to Absolutely. voice their opinion, trying to show their culture, trying to come, you know, to the mainstream to a little bit of a crossover. And, and that's the important part. I, it wasn't called cancel culture at that time. But that's absolutely what it was. They were trying to cancel African American music and label it that it was explicit content. That's where it all started. I guess what comes around goes around because now as a middle-class, Midwestern, white male, I feel that that song represents where I'm at, that I'm being banned in the USA. You're being banned in the USA. Yeah. How, how ironic. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Uh, man, go back to that time with Two Live Crew when they were blowing up. My God. God, and, and it kind of correlated with, you know, the rise of the U down in Miami and, and that attitude, the crossover between, oh my God, if you've never seen the U on ESPN, that 30 for 30, absolutely go and check it Catholics out. Catholics versus convicts. Absolutely. Yep. You bet. Uh, the Speedy Gonzalez one, I mean, didn't they have Slowpoke too? Wasn't there, a, there was like a counter to Speedy Gonzalez that was, that was a slowpoke. Yeah. I just don't think he ever, uh, he, he never really caught up. Yeah. No he he kind of went away, you know, like would anybody miss Speedy Gonzalez? I don't think so, but the, the, you're, you're absolutely right. The problem is the point is getting diluted and the point is so diluted at this point that we have forgotten what the original point was. I mean, at this point, there are six Dr. Seuss books that you cannot even buy on eBay. Like they are restricting the sale from like private individual to private individual on that level. And no, it's not a big deal. It's just Dr. Seuss. But when you pile it on top of it, 
It, it just gets ridiculous because then you can actually go and buy Hitler's manifesto off of eBay. Like the, the sale of Hitler is not restricted, but the sale of Dr. Seuss is restricted. And I don't care who's doing the restricting. I don't care if it's the publisher. I don't care if it's Congress. It's completely irrelevant to me who is doing the censorship. You, Hitler is not canceled, but we are getting rid of six Dr. Seuss books. I mean, just think about that and how fucked up that is. Yeah, I'm on the side of the fence where I don't think it, both of those should be available. Absolutely, they should both be available. But, you know, you know, to quote great Eric Bischoff, you know, but the context is king. Context it, is you, king you, and controversy creates cash. Think of how much fucking money the Dr. Seuss estate made off of these fucking books over the course of the last week. Because they're so hard to find, but you know, there's a market. If you look hard enough, there's a market if you want to pay $1,000 well, for before, a fucking kid's book. Before the shutdown, you know, is last week as we're sitting talking about when this news broke immediately before it was shut down for online auction sales, you saw these things already going in the hundreds. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now, well, you really think about this, though. I mean, genius marketing ploy. You and I, let's say, are sitting on a couple crates of these things. Yeah, and they're are, like the least known Dr. Pushing? Seuss books. It's not like we're talking green eggs and fucking ham. We're not talking about the cat in the hat. Well, I mean, if we're sitting on a couple crates of these things, Jargo, aren't we the ones pressuring YouTube or not YouTube, but uh, eBay, these auction sites to put a mandate on this because it's, it's going to just... drive our asking price through the roof. We'll find an outlet to sell these things. Yeah. There's always going to be a black market. Hell, you want to go back to prohibition and talk about the fucking bootleggers? My God. Oh my God. Now I need a, uh, a, a black market Dr. Seuss book, but like it has gotten <laughs> no, to not, the point. Not like personally buy one. I need a tale about him on the black market. Fantastic. I, it, it has gotten to the point here locally. Um, one of the schools locally was called the Indians, right? The Marion Indians. And now clearly we, they're we are... changing their name. Right. And so they had settled that they were going to be the Marion Mavericks. And then it came out that the term Mavericks, you can't use that either. Dallas, I'm looking at you because Maverick was an old white man who owned slaves. So we've got to, we got to go through this entire process all over again, even though the last process took like eight fucking months for them to agree on another racist name because everything is racist. I mean, and if it's not racist, then you got the fucking PETA people breathing down your goddamn neck. If you go with some kind of an animal. Like, nothing is safe at this point. And it, again, it's back to the context, you know, as as we use, well, you and I both agreed here, if you're going to get rid of the, the redskin name, okay. We're, we're, we were okay with that. You know, that was a derogatory term. Uh, it, it, but it's still in the presentation how you represent, if it's Indian, if it's chief. Are you, are you honoring it? In most cases, that's where they went with these terms because it was they were they were brave, they were warriors, they, they had a, a spirit about them, right? They were courageous beings. That's where these names were derived from. It wasn't in some kind of slanderous way. It's funny you mentioned that you guys are where the school there is changing from the Indians here, Anderson High School here in Cincinnati area, Anderson High School. They they are they have eliminated the Redskin name. Okay with that. That's fine. You know, again, I have no affiliation with Anderson High School. It doesn't affect my life in any way, but there's right. people like outraged about this thing. But I do find absolutely hilarious, though, here is you would believe a, a, a place of education 
scholars, if you will, would do a little research and, and rebranding, right? So the Mavericks there, uh, they just walked themselves into a, a, another situation. Well, here, Anderson, they have gone from the Redskins to the Raptors. Uh, but apparently they believe that Raptors existed in the minds of Jurassic Park. Didn't do the actual research to see that these animals were really about the size of a modern-day turkey. Weren't very bright. Really not the proper representative for if you're trying to, you know, send out that message of fear towards, so scary, towards your opponents so and, and represent your student athletes. Uh, no, you, you, you pretty much have just defined yourselves as a a, a turkey. Fantastic. Absolutely great. I told you about the Christian school, right? Have I told you about the Christian school in the town I grew up in? No. So I, I went to school at this place called Fulton High School in Fulton, Illinois. Very, very, very small town. But we also had a Christian school that was called Fulton Unity, right? And uh, one year they decided that they were going to redo their basketball court. And so they put their full name right in the middle of the basketball court. And it said Fulton Unity. And then they had their nickname as well, the Christian Knights. So right in the middle of their basketball floor, it spells fuck. Right in the middle of the floor, because it's all in like a straight line going up and down. Fulton Unity Christian Knights. Fuck. So then it became, you know, do you go to Fulton or do you go to fuck? And that was the way we differentiated the two schools. Absolutely ridiculous. How nobody caught that until it was done. Just one of those fucking mind-blowing things, you know? Well, it was uh, the will of the Lord. Yeah. Well, you know, but yet there are people that don't get canceled. Hitler doesn't get canceled. You know who else doesn't get canceled, Rick? The royal family. My God, the royal family, fucking Meghan and Harry sitting down to talk with Oprah. The best way for them to get out of the limelight is to sit down with the world's most famous interviewer on national TV and explain that they don't want to be in the limelight anymore and cry about how fucking pathetic their lives are. Uh, Rick, this thing got a ridiculous rating. It had like 17 million viewers why in the hell are Americans obsessed with the British royal family? I've never understood this. Yeah, I, I guess the crossover appeal is uh, it's a little bit baffling. But again, when you rise to that level of celebrity, I mean, it could be it could be the royal family. It could be our own royal family, the Kardashians. It, it's. Dude, this is it still seems... the lead story. It's Wednesday. It was still the lead story on the CBS National News this morning. Well, you get away from those. And here's the issue. And it could be the royal family. It could be pro athletes. It could be someone from Hollywood. Whatever the case might be here. It could be our own politicians. Anybody. Well, especially our own politicians. And rightfully so here. But Only if it's Trump. Only if it's Trump. Average, we don't pay any attention to Joe Biden. Well, a, a, a portion of society does. But in any case, whatever the situation might be, the commoners, uh, the people of the land, they've always, in any society, they, they relish in the misery of those they perceive to be up on a pedestal. 
Well, the, the thing that gets me, like, the interview is fine. Like, whatever. And even 17 million people tuning in to watch it, fine. Whatever. But it is dominating the national news cycle and has been for the last 72 hours. Like, seriously, they sat down and did an interview. Whoopity fucking shit. Can we talk about, you know, what's actually in this stimulus bill other than $1,400? Because that's all that anybody wants to talk about is the $1,400. Well, you know, when this stimulus package goes back, to, it has to go back to get rewritten or tweaked, whatever it might be. There might need to be, we might have to, to allow some funds for the royal family. Oh, dear God. Don't don't even put that out there. We'll be paying for their fucking security because they're living in fucking Hollywood now. They're like right next door to Oprah. Like this was literally two neighbors getting together with a fucking webcam and, and sitting down and just shooting the fucking shit. Crying about how awful their lives are. Oh, God. Shut the fuck up. Good fucking like it, it to me. It is just so tone deaf. Like I get it for women. All right. And like not to go like all super stereotypical here, but even the women that deny it, they still dream about being a fucking princess. Like Meghan Markle literally became a fucking princess. She's living every little girl's dream on the face of the fucking planet. And she wants to go on national TV and cry about how sad her life is. Like, seriously? What the fuck did you think was going to happen? Well, you you have... There's individuals where, as I said, you know, they relish in their misery. And, and I mean that from both both aspects. If you're either sympathetic or you're against it, you're, you're going to find a way to connect with it. Hey, it's, oh, it, rag, just... it's that rag to riches story, right? That's where it, it's not necessarily you want to be a princess, but everybody wants to rise up, right? They'll, they'll suddenly, be, you know, fall into this greatness, this fame. But it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, no, it, if you're it's not, not all fucking rainbows and unicorns. I understand that, but it's not like people didn't know who Meghan Markle was before she married fucking Prince Harry either. Like to me, like the Prince Harry story is far more interesting than the Meghan Markle story. I was going to say, did people know who she was before? Well, yeah, the, she she's like basically American royalty already. She's a fucking Hollywood actress chick. Yeah, I had never heard of her. Yeah, well, you know. Does she hang out with Bad Bunny? Pop culture, Ohio. You're all about, you know, like fucking chili and shit. Chili and baseball once a year. Hey, chili has never wasted three hours of everyone's life with Oprah. There is that, let alone gotten 72 hours of fucking wall-to-wall media coverage, man. It is just insane. The media well, coverage yeah, I, is the, it, is it's, the it's nauseating part. It's done that. It's of that fame, Oh, but just on. not in a negative light. Come on. Come on, that's that Neanderthal thinking that Joe Biden was talking about. That Neanderthal thinking. Well, since Cincinnati chili over strong on the royal family, all right. Do it up. WrestleMania, fuck yeah. What about you? You do anything exciting over the weekend, Huckleberry? This weekend, now I got to think back. I don't know what I did, if anything. Uh, I just kind of remember back to, hey, you want to talk about outrage? People are, you know, they're, they're upset. Oh, you they're, want to talk about the exploding ring? I don't know. I not even the exploding ring. The exploding ring. That is, it, that is, that is the royal family 
of AEW Revolution because that's all everyone's focused on. That's all they're talking about. The, the, the fizzle, light the fizzle, the dud that was that closed that show. I'm sorry. The outrage should be top to bottom from the entrances at the kickoff match. That show was the drizzling shits. Yeah, I, I we we should have recorded it because um, a couple of days ago you, you needed some help with some website stuff, some redirect stuff, and so you had we had gotten on a phone call, and you were asking me, you were like, "Can you explain Maki Ito to me?" <laughs> and it was just man, how do you explain Maki Ito? You, you, she's an acquired taste. We'll put it that way. I hope well, the American you know, audience gets to find out, man. Because you know, I think she's a liar. From the extent of what I know about her, the acquired taste is shit. <laughs> Literally. Literally. If you've seen that DDT poster. Literally. And I don't want to completely put it on her. You know, it's again, this is Kenny Omega. You gotta introduce her the right way. Tony I mean, you Khan can't just put her out there cold. Behind the forbidden door, expecting yeah. the bubble inside the bubble inside the bubble to completely understand everything that they're backstage at gorilla giggling about you know what the, 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 aew doesn't even have a gorilla position they have a giggle position the thing that really stood out to me about revolution was number one tony khan on twitter talking about how he could time out a show and tweet at the same time and then they fuck up in baby what's that multitasking and, and but then they fuck it up at the end right like then you get the world's biggest blunder ever and it's like maybe you should have been paying closer attention to what you were doing instead of you know fucking twitter you know well, maybe uh maybe you shouldn't rely on the the pyro team from the jaguars well and here's the other thing right i have seen pictures and i think i sent you the picture um from up in the stands right and for the live audience, it looked way cooler than it did for the TV audience. Now, did you actually get that with the sound, though? Because they had some backlash. There was a lot of booing. Oh, yeah. Oh, clearly. But the, the shot from up top, like, they should have went with, like, a crane camera shot instead of that in-close fucking shot. It looks so much cooler from, like, up in the balcony where you could see all the smoke and shit as it was rising instead of just staying in super tight on the ring when everything was going wrong. Like, they've got that bitchin' crane shot. All they had to do was change to that. It would have been so much cooler. You know, really, when you think about cinema and those those tremendous scenes with those big explosions, you always get that wide shot like that. You're not up close on that thing. You want to see the wide-scale effect exactly. of it. And especially in wrestling, because it's all about the a, smoke, and you can't yeah, get you, the smoke on a close-up shot. You and you want to give that illusion of violence, and that, that's oh why my they God, fucked did anyone up. survive down there? Yep. And, and it, outside of that, you know, I mean, it would have still been bad. Don't get me wrong, but it would have been so much better if they would have just switched to a wide shot. And that's I that's know, that it, inexperience. As much as we hate Kevin Dunn, WWE doesn't miss that shot. No. I, it's to me, top to bottom on this show, just sitting back, production-wise, execution, timing. Oh, my God. Timing? WWE did, Shit, you could have cut at least two hours out of that w, show. WWE didn't have to do anything to go on the attack. They don't have to take these obvious cheap shots week after week, this lowbrow high school warfare 
All WWE had to do is sit back and let AEW expose themselves. And that's absolutely what they did at Revolution. Uh, This is this is a critique. This isn't, you know, just going at them because I hate the promotion. I want them to succeed. I want the program to be entertaining. I want to be on the edge of my seat, eager to tune in each and every week. But I'm sorry if and I understand this here. You know, you and I Saturday. Oh, you're talking about the highlight of Saturday. Well, what did we do? Shit, you and I sat there with Dr. Tom. You know, we sat yeah. there Saturday under the learning tree, getting all this tremendous knowledge. And you know, Dr. Tom's talking about we have to evolve. Times have to change. Now, for and that they to did. work. Yeah, because you know what was bitching on that show? Sting and Darby Allen versus Cage and uh whatever the fuck that other guy's name. Ricky they, Starks. That was they awesome. Fucked. They fucked that up. Dude, that was that was straight out of the Lucha Underground playbook. Like, I, I love the shit out of that. But yeah, again, and then you lay terrible commentary over top of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the commentary was absolutely fucking awful. But the problem with those cinematic matches is you just blow your narrative out of the fucking water. Like, there there is no narrative anymore. You, you completely wasted that. Like, it was cool. It was probably the best one since the Boneyard match. And if it wouldn't have had that stupid, god-awful commentary on it, it probably would have been better than the Boneyard I, match. I, I was going to say, you you put that on mute or just just fade out the commentary so you can still have the dramatic music to go along with there, hitting you on those high spots. I think it probably blows away the Boneyard match because just because of the over-the-top, the, you know, the unnecessary explosions... Uh, this really that fight felt a little more real. Yep. I, I love the setting. I thought that was tremendous. But again, the way you, you the, go ahead and shoot shoot yourself in the foot with that terrible commentary. Yep. And overall, inside of this show, I mean, you've got you open this thing up with the tag championship match. Seventeen false finishes. Yeah, yeah they every, blew the whole show spot, during that fucking tag match. Every every match. You have repetitive spots. You have lazy storytelling inside of the match. You have floor routine. Be in your position. If it's multi-person, AEW loves these. I mean, they should just start a. And you know me, I love battle royals. It's my favorite gimmick. They should just start throwing battle royal division. I feel yeah, like there's one no on every major show now. Yeah, they uh, they do a buy-in on or, or what do they call it? The casino battle royal. They, right. It's Everything like they do one on every kind show of buy-in, whatever kind of logic there. But when they're booking these things, it's you know it's the okay. Twelve guys lay out so we can get this right. one spot in, and then you magically go right back to what you're doing here fighting. They're not even using the basic philosophies of the, the simple rules. You're there to just throw someone over the top rope. That is the point of a battle royal. They overcomplicate things. They're too repetitive. The women's match, the women's championship match. You're you're Joshi Heaven. I literally I'm sitting there trying my damnedest to stay focused, tuned in on this thing. And I just started hearing the Street Fighter music in my head. It was a first. It looked like a goddamn video game. That is not professional wrestling. Dude, the one that got me uh, over the course of the weekend, I got to watch the uh, stardom show from the Nippon Budokan. Awesome show, but they did a 30-woman rumble, and it was like 40 fucking minutes. And, of course, you're watching the show on tape delay, right, because of the way that stardom uploads their content. I'm not watching a 40-minute battle royal on tape delay 
when you've only got like 10 of your own girls in it and you had to bring in like, you know, 20 other ones from other companies and shit and everybody's green as fuck. I fast forwarded 35 minutes into the match, basically just to watch the fucking finish. Like that was all I needed. That AEW show, it was too fucking long. I do not need to watch me a four and a half hour fucking wrestling show ever. Even WrestleMania, I don't need it to be four and a half fucking hours. Give me two and a half hours of really good content and call it fucking good. My God, that show just felt like it was going on and on forever. Fuck, I had to leave when there, there was, I missed like maybe the last 10 minutes of the main event because I had to go to fucking work. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I don't go to work until 11 o'clock. <laughs> like, I, I, fuck. This, and I'm in the central idea, time. This idea that you need to maximize time for the dollar value. You, you know, part of the reason that people really, and it, it's, you know, they like the style, the excitement, I guess. And they're in NXT just as, as faulty at times as AEW was here. But they get it in and out within two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. That and that's a lot of the reason people praise their praise their events. Yep. What going back? I, I know you didn't watch it live there, but you saw it going to the elimination chamber. Two forty seven. Yep. Out. I only heard one person. Remember Turnbuckle Tuck. Carl Carefell was the only person complaining. The only person I heard complain. Well, my pay per view should be longer than Raw. No. You know how terrible, how difficult. No, it is the problem is Raw, Raw is too week. fucking long. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that three-hour show every week, man, that third hour, whew, brutal, just brutal. You bring up NXT, I will be on uh, Next Level tomorrow with the vet to break down tonight's episode of NXT. Looks like a good one, man. They're doing Adam Cole versus Finn Balor. They're doing Io Shirai versus Tony Storm for both the men's and the women's championship free on USA. Boy, if there was ever a good week to fill in, did I pick it? I was going to say, where, where the hell's Colin? Uh, he's got something going on this week. We, we've had this set up for a couple of weeks. Like, this wasn't a... Yeah, I, I know that he had mentioned. I think something with work maybe has him on the travel. Yeah. Uh, but Colin doing some good work. That per, uh, producer role with the A-Show, April Hunter and Aaron Stevens. Absolutely. I've uh, been able to check out some uh, some of their early podcasts. I know he's having a lot of fun. Those two tremendous personalities. Uh, so you can go check out their Patreon. It's the A-Show on Patreon. Uh, actually, through March, if you go over and sign up on any of their tiers, you're going to get entered to win an autographed Young Bucks comic book. Oh, very nice. Very uh, nice. Very similar to, uh, well, it's the same copy of the one that you picked up while we were there in Chicago at StarCast. What is it, like uh, Young Bucks, like Super Kicking It or yeah, something like it's that? Yeah, it's a children's book. Um, I don't know. It's back here in this. It's somewhere in there. But anyway, somewhere. the A-Show, April Hunter, Aaron Stevens. Head on over to their Patreon and well, yeah, and sign up and get entered to win. Since we're plugging Patreon stuff, you can catch me. Uh, last week, I filled in for Big Ray over on the Big Vito brand. Sat down, had a great conversation with Vito. Good stuff there. Maybe uh, seeing me appear a, a bit more over on the Vito brand. And hey, you never know. I might have my own like Patreon thing pop up. You know? Hmm. I wonder what that would be like. I, it, it would probably be. Uh, dark and evil i assume <laughs> you know it'd have to be the right what, character what would you be a good guy or a villain oh i, 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 I come on 
Is anybody going to pay money for Babyface, Jargo? Get the fuck out of here, man. That ain't going to happen. Well, yeah, that, that would probably go down as one of the worst Babyface turns. Oh, man. Yeah, no, we can't do that. Can't do that. So we got all this other shit that we're talking about, Huckleberry. We, we, we got all this shit that went down over the weekend, and none of it matters. You know, that's the great thing is, like, none of this shit matters. And, and you had brought up something, and I was like, huh, I wonder. And you were like, I wonder what, what, what is this covering up while they're talking about all the royal stuff? Like, what, what are we not hearing about? You, you, you'll, you'll dig around. You'll find that one story that, you know, we, we should be talking about that nobody is talking about. And I was like, man, you're, you're kind of blowing smoke up my ass. Like, no pressure. Go out and just fucking find something, right? Yeah, you know, it's what you do, right? I found it. I found it. We got 12 states that are now suing the Biden administration. Had you heard anything about this, Rick? Uh, I actually, uh, I just, uh, just a little bit. I mean, th- this is absolutely crazy. Now we've got Indiana jumping in on this thing. Uh, it's a coalition of 12 states that have filed a lawsuit against President Joe Biden's administration over a $9.5 trillion expansion of federal regulations through executive order which dictates the social cost of greenhouse gases. Now, basically what they are afraid of here is the price of everything is going to go through the freaking roof and nobody's going to be able to afford to live in all of these states. Rick, I think this could actually end up being a pretty big deal. I think, well, it's obviously going to be one of those that, yeah, I'm really surprised that you're not getting more of this from, from the right, Manipulated media, uh, but certainly that's going to be something that's going to be buried a page twelve material for the left manipulate manipulated media. But you, you are right here, and but my biggest concern though is this a catalyst to promote uh, you know those, those politicians up there on the hill for more Big Brother government. Well, and of course that is absolutely you know the fear. But I, to me, the bigger story is when you have the, this many states that are suing the, the presidential administration, this is going to go directly to the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court rules in favor of the states, number one, there is going to be this, this giant bill that we have absolutely no logical way to pay for, but the Supreme Court would be overriding a presidential executive order. And that creates a pretty crazy precedent when you think about, you know, Joe Biden has signed like 30 some executive orders in his first 60 days sitting inside of the White House. This could end up being a real shitstorm. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, you, you talk about a complete shift of power. Uh, I mean, really burn it down, redesign. And we know the the Supreme Court should be six to three, probably ends up five to four. Right now, all those appointments that Trump made are going to cause a whole world to fucking hurt for Joe Biden if, if this thing continues to go forward. Uh, another uh, dirty politics here at play where they, you know, they've, they position themselves overall. Is it best for actually the American people? 
Yeah, and that's going to be the big question. And, and this is the problem with ruling by executive order. This is why we've been all over this ever since it started. And especially when you have both houses. Just pass legislation. That's the damn problem. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous, man. You all right? You look like you fell yeah. over there for a second. Oh, no, I was like going for the mute button and trying to, I, I don't know why I'm being played. It's not like it's going to get all over you. Just get on my screen, but I was sneezing. <laughs> a couple other fun stories that I dug up from over the course of the weekend. Um, I think I'm getting allergic to that Biden talk. There is that. Well, well, here, here's something that you don't want to be allergic to as we, we kind of shift into the vaccine talk. Uh, Rick, on Sunday, I first heard the statistic that from the vaccine, we had had 966 people die. When I wrote hold on, this... Nine, hold on, nine, 966. 966. When I originally wrote this run on Monday, it was at 1,381. Last night, I went to the CDC website and looked at the number again, and now it's up to 1,637. You mean to tell me we've had 700 people die from the vaccine over the course of the last 48 hours? And nobody's talking about that? That seems a little concerning to me. You know, again, I, I do that step back and I want to look at it from both perspectives here. It's just the rate that this number is going up that I find so alarming. And I know they're, they're doing more vaccines, so you're getting a wider case study, but... I know it, it, that's one of those Oof. things too, you know, and that is, you can see that is a significant jump. Uh, but was, are we seeing that because of the practices, the standards put in place about how these are reported when they're reported? Again, you're talking about the sample group. Obviously that has dressed, you know, expanded. One thing that the CDC website does not give me the information on is the Pfizer versus Moderna versus the Johnson and Johnson. They don't, it doesn't tell me which vaccine. It just says the vaccine, which is half my problem with the way that the media is even reporting this thing. Just take that vaccine. Well, which vaccine? Because there's, there's three of them now. And that's, that's your blanket answer to a terrible situation here. Uh, we need those further details. How, how you know which which vaccine is causing these deaths yeah which vaccine has been dispensed in the largest quantity so i need to you know to me i want to see those percentages instead of just base numbers yeah it, that's a a very very interesting part of this story to me uh the other part of the story that is kind of related to the vaccine and kind of not uh, there is a new condition that is starting to be talked about inside of the psychological world, and it is COVID psychosis. Um, Rick, here's what's happening. People get COVID, and because of all the fear porn, because of all the way that the media has reported this thing, because of the scrolling tickers with the number of dead, because of Joe Biden walking around with a list in his pocket of all the people that have died from COVID— People are getting COVID and just completely losing their fucking minds and committing suicide. Well, see, you know, just recently here, we had a uh, a gentleman they were on the hunt for for a triple homicide. 
Uh, so he is, he is off three people. They, they caught up with him up in Michigan, I believe Detroit area, and he was gunned down. Now they're actually the, you know, people in his defense family, whatever that might be. And there's some legal things going on here between, I guess, the estates, families and things like that. And the defense is that the isolation, everything in society brought on by COVID had pushed him to that point. COVID psychosis. Yeah, I, I, I heard uh, this report out of Illinois regarding COVID psychosis. Life was good for 48-year-old Ben Price. The married father of two was a farmer and business owner in Morris. In February, he contracted COVID-19 after riding in a car with others to Bible study. Two weeks later, he took his own life. He would never have left us. Our Ben did not leave us. And that's what we want to get out is he was not our Ben. Price's widow, Jennifer, says her husband was hospitalized for four days with lung and oxygen issues. He came home a different man. He would just pace through the house and repeat things. And it wasn't even in his normal tone of voice. It was a very different tone. He was very scared. He just kept repeating, I'm sorry, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And he just kept repeating. And he would stare out the window and he was just worried about things that that weren't even happening. 16 days from COVID diagnosis to death by suicide, despite doctors prescribing Xanax to try to calm him. While doctors have not yet been able to determine if Ben Price had something known as COVID psychosis, medical experts say the virus can definitely impact a person's brain. Yeah, COVID psychosis. It's a thing. It's going to be interesting to see, man, because we are just now starting to see some of the studies come out in the psychological journals and the medical journals about these lockdowns and their actual effect on people's minds. It's going to be interesting to see if this term actually starts picking up some steam when it comes to the media for when people just completely lose their shit inevitably. Yeah, you know, part of me, I, I realize that, that there is some seriousness behind this situation. Uh, but I guess immediately I'm going to the exploitation of it. You, you know, how are they going to warp this thing? Is this a, is this another, okay, you know, it, every kid now has attention deficit disorder. Right. It, it, because simply you're in a bad mood. You don't feel like doing something. Looking towards a, a lack of responsibility. Is this going to be a scapegoat? I actually saw uh, something the other day of a study that was being done about people not wanting to go back to work. Like, even if these restrictions are lifted, they don't want to go back to work. And one of the majority groups was women. And the explanation that was given for it is they like wearing the masks. Because then they don't have to do their fucking makeup to go to work. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I like that you get down to the, the nitty gritty of it and give actually reasoning behind this thing. But, you know, it, they will be because, you know, oh, it's safety. You're okay. Don't worry. We will protect you. No, it's, it's rest, just too big of a hassle. Rest easy under the, the, the blanket of Big Brother government. Yep. Well, it's like where I work, they extended the, the return to work plan. Now it's going to be at least the beginning of June before these people return to work. 
that they're already planning three months out. We don't know what this is going to look like in three weeks, let alone in three months. What what, what time of work, what type of work are we talking about? No, in in my office. Okay. Well, I, I of course I it's all the there. people that get paid way more money than me that aren't coming to work to begin with. You know. So it is office positions, management types. Right. They're not hands on front line necessarily need to be in the building all the time. Right. Uh, you're going to see this across the board. Yep. Even you're when they see... do return to work, it's not going to be full time in the building. It's going to be some kind of a hybrid. You're going to see massive changes across the board, multiple industries. Absolutely. Is what you're going to get out of this thing. And it's not, and they'll use the disguise of this is safety precautions. We need, you know, be prepared if something like this would happen again. No, this is simply, this is financial. It's, re- it's reducing overhead. That's all it is. It, it makes sense. I have to agree with the, the corporations on this thing. Uh, what it does, you, you think about that. You're not having to house all these individuals. You're not all the maintenance yep. that goes into electric, electricity, your sewer, your groundskeeping could probably eliminate a bunch of those positions. You don't need the brick and mortar. You don't need the property. You know, funny enough, it's Netflix. Do you remember? I, I We're old enough to remember a world without Netflix, right? We actually had to go to the video store. You had to go to the local blockbuster to rent a movie. And then Netflix came out and you didn't have to go to the blockbuster anymore. You could just get the movie while you were sitting at home. And suddenly there were no more blockbusters. Now everything is going to go the route of Netflix and Blockbuster. Funny enough, I just saw that I believe it's next Monday, they're releasing a documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster, hosted by Kevin Smith. Uh, is there still one left? I think there's one up in Alaska still. Yeah, I was going to say here, uh, on, the go- on the Google. I think it's Alaska. It- Not to pause for dead air, but yeah, I'll edit it out, or I'll put in a happy jingle like this. Oh, maybe you wanted some piano. There you go. Oh, that's so uh, I, I don't know, man. A blockbuster. I says there's one in Union, Kentucky. That could not be right, though. But yeah, yeah, you think back, and now the way that we're changing, think about things that just 20 years ago, the the middle of our life, that people would have thought you were absolutely insane if you said, in 20 years, we'll have this. You won't go to the local mom-pop video store. You won't go to Blockbuster. I mean, You're gonna be able it's to in rent- Bend, Oregon. In Oregon, okay. Leave it to Oregon where you can get fucking meth and it's legal. Now, I do see if you uh, if you go through, I guess, maybe more uh, poverty stricken areas, you will see the the family video. So there still is that small market for that. Every now and then you see the red boxes, certain places. Mm -hmm. I see the red boxes more for video games now. Yeah. But like Gamefly never took off like Netflix did. I I was going to say you still have that, though. But Gamefly, I think people still want to have that ownership. But now you're seeing it even with places like GameStop uh, here locally. It's uh, video games, et cetera, uh, as they're going to digital download. 
You have all that content there. That is evolving. We wouldn't think you would have that then because we used to go to Blockbuster to get our video game for the weekend. Dude, it's ridiculous, right? Like one of my favorite video games ever when I was a kid was the original Final Fantasy, which is actually like Final Fantasy 4 if you wanted to get into all the Japanese shit and blah, blah, blah. But the first one released in the United States on the original Nintendo Entertainment System, right? I paid $60 for that freaking game and I played it for God knows how long. Now I have it on my phone and it takes up like zero space. Like the, the size of that game is so minuscule compared to what we have now it, it, it's incredible well even outside of that if you would have said hey you're gonna have complete strangers not working for an actual taxi service zooming everyone around yeah you're gonna have them delivering food from any restaurant you want well to go back even further two right? assholes from states away <laughs> are gonna be hosting a show together you know th this is something and i i have said this before i don't think i've ever said it on a podcast uh were you a fan of transformers when we when we were kids of course of course all right so you remember transformers has changed my life twice the first time was the original transformers movie when they killed fucking optimus prime like 20 minutes into the goddamn movie just absolutely fucking destroyed me as a kid like fucking tears even still, like, to go back and watch that movie, it's like I have, like, fucking PTSD flashbacks and shit to when I was a kid watching it, right? But when they redid Transformers, when Michael Bay redid Transformers a few years ago, there's this scene where they go into this place called Sector 7, right? And that's where they're housing Megatron. And they call him M1B1. And it's Shay LaBeouf in his total douchebag tone is like, yeah, well, where we come from, we call him Megatron, right? And this dude goes off on this entire tangent about how every advancement in human technology came from him. Whether it was the steam engine, whether it was the locomotive, whether it was the laser, whether it was the microchip, it's all been reverse engineered from Megatron. And for some reason, my brain went to the advancement in technology since the Roswell incident. Before Roswell, we could barely build a fucking car that works. This is in our grandparents' lifetime. Think about our grandparents living in the world that we are in now. I mean, black and white television to now fucking streaming devices. We're all walking around with fucking pocket computers and shit. Think about the advancement in technology, not just in the last 10 years. Think of it in the last 80 years. It's fucking insane. I, it just, you know, to kind of add on what you say there, when you mentioned computers, you know, 70s and 80s, he had computer systems that would take up entire facilities. Yeah. I mean, the personal it, computer didn't it, become a thing until the last 40 years. It really, it, the boom was in the 90s, but you saw them start popping up in the 80s. Uh, much different now than in something that has 10 times the power of all of those. We're walking around with that in our pocket. Dude, take, take some of these fucking millennial fucks and put them on a 56K modem. Let me know how that works out for them. You know what I mean? I mean, even like, just think about in your car, right? Like you were big shit in the 80s if you had a tape deck in your fucking car. 
And that tape deck would eat the shit out of them cassette tapes, right? Now we got fucking Bluetooth. Like, just a fucking standard option. Seamless streaming. I can listen to anything I want to for $15 a month with the exception of Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks, not on Apple Music. Like, what the fuck, man? Are you really clamoring for Garth Brooks? I I enjoy me some Garth Brooks. I do. Good shit. I respect Reese Ben. I'm a country fan. I've just never been a Garth fan. Oh, he's too rock and roll for you. You, you, you strike me as a country western guy. I give you the Grand Ole Opry. You don't want to see all that explosions and shit like you know like we had on AEW with the exploding ring. You don't need to see all that shit. No. I uh, you are right. You know I'm uh, George Johnny Cash Jones. in a black T-shirt. You bet. George Jones, Johnny Cash. Fuck yeah. Little Waylon. Good old Merle Haggard. Fuck yeah. Man, I had all this other shit that I was going to talk about, but it's not nearly as interesting as the conversation that we've had. So how, how about we're already an hour into the show. Let's just throw it to the break. We'll come back and talk HTM sports because there ain't no way I'm missing out on HTM sports. Uh-uh, not this week. Nope. We'll be right back. The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG Brand Management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Freak God Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted, Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zordosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results real results 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at stevierichardfitness.com russosbrand.com where the pros are pros bro get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it visit russosbrand.com subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on podbeam.com and visit patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group we now take you to your featured HMG presentation. Dude. Dak Prescott got fucking paid. Fucking paid, dude. Holy shit. You want to talk about resetting the market. The Dallas Cowboys just paid the 15th best quarterback in the NFL $164 million fucking dollars. Dude, 
Dak Prescott has to be the second happiest man in the world because every professional athlete on the face of the planet is calling up this agent and being like, what did you put in Jerry Jones's drink? I need some of that for Mark Cuban. I need some of that for every owner everywhere. Oh, what the fuck was Jerry Jones? Th- $164 million for Dak Prescott for four years. For four years. Rick, what... What is going on in Dallas? You know, we sit here, we regularly rant and rave about irresponsible, useless spending on behalf of our government. Wow. Jerry Jones for president at this kind of rate. Holy shit. Riding with Biden ain't got shit on Jerry Jones when it comes to throwing your money away. Yeah, but... Joe Biden don't like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, he ain't getting no stimulus now. He ain't getting the stimulus now. Not after signing this contract. Nope. Yeah, but he still embodies. He still embodies, you know, everything that the stimulus stands for there, which is to to reward, not say negativity, but lack of productivity with major pay. He's taken care of without having to do anything. Dude has never won a playoff game. $164 million. Holy sh... Russell he, he Wilson has medi- to be seething right now. Mediocre at best. Oh, and, and now man. he's getting this major payday. And I love, you know, last week we had talked about some of the reasons why Wilson might want to out of Seattle to get into that limelight. And we talked about still how Dallas, when you wear that star, it still has that stigma in a positive spin. It, it still has that spotlight on it. Uh, if if Dak's getting this, Russell Wilson, what is his value? I mean, what could he do in that spot? Aaron Rodgers, his contract's going to be coming up here shortly. I mean, Trevor Lawrence coming into the league. Just got to get through those first couple years, kid. Holy shit. $164 million for Dak Prescott. Oh, my God. Fucking Patrick Mahomes has got to be pissed. This deal hasn't even kicked in yet. You got to think, though, at least if you're Mahomes, you know, it takes that little bit of that pressure off you. If you're Ezekiel Elliott, if you're Zeke, do you walk into Jerry Jones's office and demand a trade right now? Because you know that offensive line is going to shit real fucking quick. And they are going to rely on Zeke just like they've always relied on Zeke. And Zeke's either going to get hurt or he's going to end up, his stats are going to go in the freaking toilet and people are going to think he's washed up because, you know, he's a running back and he's been in the league for like four years now. If I'm Zeke, I go in there, I demand a trade today. Uh, and you're right. I mean, he's getting to that point here. You don't have, no pun intended here, you don't have a lot of legs in that position. No. You know, you have that short window for success. He still has the capabilities in the right situation with a good O-line in front of him that he could be an absolute stud, a standout in this league. You start really looking around this team, this franchise, this fan base. How disastrous is is this down in the big D? And it's an untradeable contract. Like, even if you wanted to trade Dak, there's nobody's taking that contract. Nobody is taking that contract. 
You know, we're you know we're looking at this from the player a fan perspective. Jones pulling a move like this, uh, not that he was very popular in the first place, but he has got to have major heat on him oh, when it comes owners. to from the other owners. You bet. inside that league. Oh, they've got to be just stark raving pissed, especially franchises like Cincinnati, franchises like Jacksonville, like Tennessee, the small market teams. $164 million for four years? Jesus Christ, what? Are you going to give Ryan Tannehill $100 million? And what's very interesting about that is, is that is that benchmark, four years. That is when we are likely going to see a major swing inside of the reestablishing this cap as it has taken a bit of a dive. It has dipped going into this year, which we're going to see yeah. for the next two, three. You get into that year four as these players are going to be signing these short term for less, hoping yeah. to get that next big boom. Yeah, like it's, the already, JJ Watt it's already deal. overinflated. Yep, like the J.J. Watt deal we talked about last week. And two weeks before that, we were talking about it. It's going to be a two-year deal wherever he goes just because and, of this cap situation. And you're, you're going to see this cap begin to grow again. So what ultimately this does, by taking a middle-of-the-pack, run-of-the-mill quarterback, giving him this kind of salary, you have completely, completely screwed everyone else inside a free agency, not next year, not two years, but three and four years down the road. Now, you look at these deals, and we're talking about, again, I'm just going to keep hammering that point home, mediocre is now being accepted as exceptional. We've talked about players, owners, league. Let's go back to fans. The continued disconnect in growing that, that difference, that gap between your fan base and the relatability, the connectability with your game, this only drives a, a deeper wedge in that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree all the way around. But you also talk about middle of the pack, and I suddenly started having nightmares. I think Aaron Rodgers' contract is up after next season. What is Green Bay going to have to pay 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers to keep him there? You don't. There's no way. Like you, you Packer fans. I mean, you might as well just accept it now. I right, start start the farewell tour. But when, when this contract is up, he is out because there's no way Green Bay is going to pay him that kind of money. And if they do, I think I'd be pissed off about it. You should be as a fan base. You know? I, I think you know Dallas right now. If you're a fan, should be absolutely livid. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's just imagine you, you went from a conversation that you might get Russell Wilson to we just paid Dak Prescott one hundred and sixty four million dollars in the span of like 10 days. Ouch. And I think to me, you know, as we talk about it out loud, I think there's more panic in that commissioner's office. I would not want to be sitting in these marketing meetings trying mm -hmm. to come up with plans to convince fans. You, you already saw it wasn't just the Super Bowl. It was league-wide, season-long decline in numbers. It's just not the NFL. It's Major League Baseball. It's it's hockey. It sure as hell, it's the NBA. You are seeing the disinterest from your general public in your presentation, in your leagues. And a lot of it is 
We know how important this $1,400 is to the average American. Right or wrong, absurd or not, it is a focal point. And it is something that the manipulated media, our politicians, they are hammering home. And in, in the same bat of an eye, we are getting news stories like this. You talk about building a, a larger disconnect. I don't know what else you could do. You talk about the NBA. Shout out to the professor. Uh, he was arguing with me when I put up in my top 10 the other day that nobody cares about the NBA All-Star game. Um, the ratings are in. Rick, do you, you care to take any kind of a shot in the dark? How many people watched the NBA All-Star game on Sunday? I don't know how many total did not watch. I know one who did not watch. Me. I feel like it completely snuck up on me. This is the third time that the game has drawn less than 7 million viewers. All right. Uh, this is also the first time that they have ever failed to draw 6 million viewers. 5.94 million people tuned into the All-Star game. Wow. That's it. That's it. Ouch. Down 18.1%. I was going to say, I saw that number. I thought it was right around that 19, which was uh, mind-blowing to me to see. Ouch. To see a blow like that. Well, and just last week, we were talking about the uh, Golden Globes and how their ratings were absolutely in the toilet. Uh, this year... There was a lot of the players didn't even want to play the All-Star game. I've got a quote from LeBron here. I think under these circumstances, with what we're going through still with the pandemic and everything with this season, I just thought we could have looked at it a bit differently. But that's out of my hands. I can only control what I can control. Uh, Rick, let's just talk about what this is really about. This is about the TV contract. That's all that this is about. This is about fulfilling the obligation of that TV contract and getting that big money from ABC, ESPN. It's not about the All-Star game. It's about the TV contract as a whole, multiple years for multiple games throughout the course of the season. Absolutely. It, you know, a lot of people, they want to try to ignore that. It's safety. We go round and round in wrestling. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Raw's too long. And everyone, oh, it needs to go back to 200, you know, two hours. But yep. when you ask them for a real solution, okay, how, how are you going to honor your deal with that network? How are you going to make up that advertising dollar? It, no one has a real answer for that. It, it's, it, it's really what it comes down here is logistics, Jargo. You, you know, you were talking about the conversation we had with Dr. Tom Pritchard over the course of the weekend that's available over on the Patreon. There was one question that I had planned on asking Dr. Tom Pritchard, and then the conversation just kind of went a different direction, and I was asking follow-up questions to other people's questions. I'll ask you now, because it's kind of in the same train of thought. What is John Cena's legacy? Under John Cena, every fan interest metric that the WWE has went down. There are less fans now than there were at the beginning of John Cena's run. But under John Cena's tenure as the top guy, the WWE made more money than they ever had made with John Cena as the top guy. 
So what truly is John Cena's legacy in professional wrestling if his career is over? Is he the guy that brought in more money than anybody else? Or is he the guy that turned off half your audience? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, and I would have loved to hear her Dr. Tom's response to that. And, you know, we should probably pass that along to pause to try to, you know, get, see if they'll bring that up on, I mean, cause, like that could be a, an entire hour long podcast uh, right uh, there. Uh, taking, uh, taking you to school. But I, I think, you know, to go even further, when we talk about these greats inside of any sport or in an era in professional wrestling, what is their legacy? Uh, it's funny. I was listening to a soundbite from Jim Cornette just yesterday and his perspective of the legacy of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it wasn't post-career. It was really what he did in that boom. And I know for many of us, and you know, we consider ourselves traditionalists, a classic style, and we would credit Hogan as top that top one or two spot and recognize him for the the rock and wrestling boom. I, anybody, I have Hogan top five. I mean, but, you can absolutely justify top five, but all all these people that want to talk about Hogan as, as the number one like greatest. I mean, then no, you start getting but, but listen, into to, to the Japanese stuff and I, I, everything. That's, that's, and not, that's not in the that's not in the point here. It's to what your what your you know kind of bringing up here with Cena. When we take that that step back and look at the larger scope and put perspective, of course, John Cena that era. You know, you're getting larger television deals as the growing need for must see live programming. Uh, you have inflation. We're in a different marketplace. You right. have a much global you know more global reach. Your shop.coms, your television negotiations are are much more significant than they were in any other era. So as Cornette was saying there with Hogan, what did he really do to evolutionize, to, to take it to the next level? Because they were, you know, they were already selling out arenas around the world. Uh, they had already, for their time frame, people like Thez or, or Gotch or those or Rogers, those other big names that were before Hogan. You know, in a in a bigger in a grand picture, they were getting paid more than other professional athletes, more than your football, your right. baseball, your basketball stars. They were filling houses. They were mainstream names. Hogan was never the highest paid athlete in in the world. No. Now he he helped him out, yes, with pay per view because that was a new concept. Just like when you mentioned Cena in now the global reach, because you didn't have the boom of the internet. Right. He had that at his disposal there. So you have to you have to take that into consideration. And when we look at the in inside of basketball, when we talk about grades, now we'll still argue till we're blue to face that Jordan is. But when we look at you know the advantages that he had because of the merchandising, the distribution of the league. But it's it it is different in the respect that pe- there more people are buying Jordans today than are buying the LeBrons. Like Jordan is still outselling LeBron. Like Jordan is still number one and he hasn't played in 20 years. Well, it's, it, that's a part to what, you know, his true impact and incredible marketing. Yeah. I mean, there are things, there are so many reasons that Michael is the goat and LeBron is not that don't even take place on I, a I basketball know, but, court. But, but in reality, when we are having these conversations, it is more about than what you see in a ring on a field you know, on the court, there's these, all these other tangibles that you need to consider when we're having these conversations. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I think Hogan's legacy truly is that nobody talks about was Hogan leaving the AWA for Vince. 
That because that was the death blow to the AWA. Like the AWA held on, but they were never the same after they lost Hogan. Once you, once they lost Hogan, once they lost Heenan to Vince, that was the end of the AWA, and that was basically Vince's biggest competition at that time. I mean, that was really the death of the territories when the AWA died. It's funny that that same episode, or it was a clip or so that followed it up. They someone had asked Cornette. Does he believe that it was firmly Vince's intentions to destroy every territory? Oh, absolutely. Not necessarily. In a sense, yes, but no. Now, the AWA, yes, he wanted them gone because they were his main competition. They're, they were the closest of anyone, anyone else besides Vince at that time by going national. Yeah, yeah, it, it was the AWA and Crockett. Right. Now, that's who he was going after because they're the other big dogs. Now, to kill off every territory, he, he probably didn't care about small territories down in the South like that because, you know, to, that's where he was picking off his talent. Well, yeah, like like Memphis basically became developmental. Well, he wasn't he wasn't going to get in their pocket. He wasn't they weren't going to get in his pocket. So he was just looking at those big ones. It just happened to be a byproduct of him being so aggressive to become the hands down, no questions asked, number one promotion in the country at the time. And then globally that everyone else went the wayside. Uh, did, did Corny talk about the, the whole reason that like Memphis didn't go out of business was because he shoved his head so far up Vince McMahon's ass that he could uh, see what he had for lunch. Did, did he leave well, that part in there? You, you, I mean, you had that, you had to stay, you had to survive at times. Corny himself did that. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, fuck yeah. Corny, do it again tomorrow if, he, if Vince would call him. Uh, Paul Heyman, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Filtered through. Absolutely. No question. And, and in a weird way, it kind of brings us to our, our last story of the day before we get to Big Ray's bullshit. Um, Blake Griffin is going to Brooklyn. And. People are losing their minds. Like, this is the piece that, that it's the final piece of what everybody's been looking for. It's not a big three anymore. We're getting Blake Griffin. It's going to be a big four. Y'all motherfuckers realize Blake Griffin hasn't dunked a basketball since 2019. This is not Blake Griffin. This is not Lob City Blake Griffin. This dude, it, uh-uh, he is a shell of what he used to be. I don't even get this move from the Brooklyn Nets. It doesn't make any sense to me. Is this is this a little reminiscent though, potentially of when those great Celtic teams, when they thought it was a reach to go get Walton? You, you bring in somebody seemingly broken down. If you can put him in with these other already tremendous all stars, and he can just have that bit roll and find a little bit of that spark. That excitement, that energy that once made him so spectacular, which made him must see. Can he contribute? I don't think this is like earth shattering, groundbreaking, you know, firmly give, send the trophy to New Jersey. I, I don't believe that in any sense, but it, it presents that opportunity. Dude can't play ball anymore, man. Like I, I, I loved Blake Griffin they, when he was in they, LA, but they, they have said that about so many individuals. Now that pressure is off his legs. I, are I'm gone, not making man. it. I, I'm I mean, not saying he they hasn't dumped a Walton. basketball in two years. That's the only that thing he could do. Said about Walton, and he goes out oh, there. Walton. Although it was brief, he goes out there and has an MVP-type season, and they win a championship. 
And they had injuries on that. The team was broken down. They relied on him that season, although it was brief because those injuries, they, they quickly crept back up. But you got that flash and you had that moment. And it's about moments. And he could have that. I think what really surprised me is seeing that he left Detroit and then he's going to Brooklyn. He's transitioning as well. He's hosting a prank show on cable television. Dear God. It's like the, the double the double whack back or something like that where, like, I think I'm getting this show to prank you, Jargo, but you're the one pranking me. So, ah. And then, well, no, it, and on, even on the previews, this is what's best because I've only seen a couple of the commercials. I, it's, I, I want to say maybe it's like maybe it's one of these TBS, you know, TNT drama ones because they are real big right now on that reality kick. It sounds I, like I a remember. Russo show. Can't remember which which one I've seen it on, but even in the previews for it, you can already tell it's the uh, I got pranked by who? Because they have to over explain. It's a pro NBA basketball all star, <laughs> Blake Griffin, and then like they kind of have that pause, like who who Blake Griffin? It's a reality show. The, the guy who jumped like, over oh a car. God, I'm on TV. I'm on TV. Fuck. Good God, those shows are awful. Those shows are awful. All right. Speaking of awful shows, let's talk about the New York Knicks. Big Ray Hernandez sent me this question. He thought he was being all suave, being all cocky and shit. Listen to this shit. Just out of curiosity, at the beginning of the NBA season, you basically laughed at me when I brought up Alonzo Ball. He doesn't even know that his name is Lonzo. It, it, it's it's Lonzo. There's no A, Big Ray. It's just Lonzo. It's not Alonzo. It's just Lonzo. Going to the New York Knicks. And the Knicks having the potential to be a playoff team. Well, that part I was wrong on because I didn't think the East was going to suck quite as much as they actually do. Well, Lonzo has changed his shooting motion and his lights out from three along with shooting 42% from the field and making some awesome plays. There are rumors that the Knicks might trade for him. What do you think now? Discuss it on the show. Please tag me. Shout out to Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, Big Ray, I still stand by everything that I said. Uh, Lonzo Ball still stinks. Uh, Yeah, he has gotten better. Uh, Reagan, this is absolutely insane to me. So this year, this year, Regular season, Lonzo Ball is 42.8% from the field. His career is, four, or is I'm sorry, 39.7. So he went all the way from 39.7 to 42.8. His three-pointers this season, 38.7%. Yeah, Big Ray really wants that 38% from three. He's lights out. His career average is 35 so he's up three percentage points. His his biggest improvement is actually in free throws. He, he's shooting much better free throws this year. He's at 77.5%, which still stinks for an NBA player, but he is up from 53.6%. As far as points go, he's averaging about three more points a game this year than he ever has. He typically averages 11.4. He's at 14.5. But Rick, here's what I don't understand. Why in the hell... Would the Knicks want Lonzo Ball? Because number one, you get all the bullshit that comes with Lonzo Ball. And number two, you already have Emmanuel Quickly. 
Emmanuel quickly is basically the same player as Lonzo Ball, but without all the baggage, without the big contract, he's averaging 12.2 points a game. What? No. No, you don't need Lonzo Ball, and I don't think the Pelicans are going to give him up because they like Lonzo throwing alley-oops to Zion. I, I, I don't see that happening. If Lonzo Ball goes to the Knicks, he is going to do so as a free agent and take less money than he could have made in New Orleans because it's the New York market, and LeVar Ball is a media whore, and he would be an absolute nightmare in New York. Is that is that enough Barry in the Knicks? I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give him a little praise. You know, any any improvement in your numbers, and even if it's a couple percentage points, is a positive. So good for him there. But to what you're saying, Jarrow, is it significant enough to justify making a move like this, especially when you have someone already in that role who's better suited for it? Yeah, it, who's making less money? Why, why would you do that? And, it, and as you continue to to grow your your brand or grow your team here. And it is a very weak East. You're in the middle of the playoff hunt. You're a five seed right now, just hovering one game above 500. They're 19 and 18. Let's not pretend like the Knicks are blowing the doors off the place. They're still the five seed in the East. I didn't think the East was going to be this bad. I didn't think that one game over 500 would get you the five seed in the East. By the way, if you were in the West, you would be tied with the Golden State Warriors who are not in the playoff picture right now. Yeah, Uh, and in the East, the five seed, 19 wins. It it only has you five games out of the number one seed. So we'll we'll deal with that reality right now. And if you're looking at movers and shakers, also sitting up there uh, because of the tie, well, because with one more loss there, but 24 wins, you have the Brooklyn Nets that we just talked about who who have their big three, who are looking to maybe get that little flash of greatness to bring in another great supporting player. If you're the New York Knicks, do you you don't want more of that circus? You want responsible spending. You want to be able to keep as much of that cap free, so that in a year or so you do are able to make some more of those big moves to propel yourself to get back to the top of this conference. Because let's not kid ourselves: the Eastern Conference has been down for a while, and it doesn't look like there's going to be an upward trend. Whether you put Lonzo Ball on the New York Knicks or not. On, on any level, I do not feel like they are better than the Boston Celtics. I do not feel like they are better than the Milwaukee Bucks. They are definitely not better than the Brooklyn Nets, especially if Kevin Durant is healthy. That one I was wrong about. That guy's balling out of his fucking mind. And th- you're not better than the Philadelphia 76ers. Embiid is on a fucking mission. You're, so your best case scenario, you're looking at the five seed. I I still think Miami is going to come back. I think they're better than 18 and 18. The Hornets, you want to talk about one of the ball brothers balling out. It's LaMelo. It ain't Lonzo. The Raptors, I just don't understand how they are quite as bad as they actually are. I thought the Pacers were going to be better than they are, and I thought for sure the Atlanta Hawks were going to be better than they are. And then you get into, you know, your Cleveland and Orlando and Detroit's. No matter what the Knicks do, I don't feel like they're moving into that upper echelon in the East. Not right now. And that's why it is of the utmost importance that you you really watch your spending. Keep this core here. Maybe get a hot streak here. And Again, your headline should be about your basketball. Yep. Don't bring this circus. It is, it's not needed. You know what's really happening here? The Ball family 
is to Big Ray with the Kardashians and the royal family are to general brainwashed America. Well, because there is one other thing that I wanted to bring up that Big Ray seemingly left out of his message that I remember from that conversation. Uh, he was also telling me that Obi Toppin was going to be like one of the best players in the NBA. He might be the rookie of the year. And he was ready to trade Julius Randle because Julius Randle was trash. And now Julius Randle is an all-star and Obi Toppin is sitting on the bench doing absolutely nothing because he doesn't play any fucking defense. Shout out to Coach Tibbs, though. Love me some Coach Tibbs. But I, Big Ray's like, Coach Tibbs has got to be like the coach of the year. Dude, bro, you're one game over 500. I mean, you, you want coach of the year? I mean, I, I'm sorry, the Knicks are still a dumpster fire. It's just the flames aren't quite as high. Get out of here with that shit. Well, they, they are improving, so they're, they need something to be excited about there for Knicks fans. Well, what they can be excited about is there's so many awful teams in the East. That's what they can be excited about. Yes. You got that curve. You got that low-grading curve. So they can get better. They got and, that and Neanderthal thinking. Hey, all you got to do is get to the finals and hopefully that the West is beating each other up so much you can pick one off. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man, because we, Utah, the Clippers, the Lakers, if Anthony Davis ever actually gets healthy, who fucking knows, right? And then there's the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul. Chris Paul even yelling at people during the All-Star game because they weren't playing hard enough. Chris Paul, take a chill pill, man. If, if, a, if a tree yells in the woods... And nobody's around to watch ABC. <laughs> so that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. we got a whole bunch of awesome shows over there now. we got like a full freaking weekday lineup. Hell, we're 24 hours delayed. Drop three shows on the HTM feed. Freaking awesome. As well as the Hami Media Group, hackerhamin.podbean.com, as well as hamimediagroup.podbean.com. Keep up with me and my brand across all social media at NotJargo. You can keep up with my other show, Destino, at DestinoPod. Got a new episode of that out this week, too. First episode in like six weeks. Yeah, I joked about it on the last show. I didn't have to do a show for a month, and I didn't do a show for a month and a half. Ha ha! Swerves on you, fuckers. Huckleberry, what do you got going on? Well, you know, as always, uh, just encourage people to go check out the Hami Media Group for the core content, which would be all your, your wrestling headlines, happenings, reviews. Also, over there, your conspiracy talk, new force order, retrospectives. That's the core programming at hackerhami.poppy.com. And, of course, you can catch us, part of the uh, the amazing affiliate groups. we got Star Trek. we got Moron Morons. we got Suck My Balls, The Right Opinion. And again, of course, the Hitting the Marks podcast, and that is the affiliates at Hami Media Group. .podbean.com. Hey, make sure that you're following HMG across all social media platforms. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, we're even TikTokers. Oh, fuck. You, you can find that at the Hameen Media Group or just give a search across those for the Hameen Media Group. All that good stuff. And keep up with me, the RBV, at the real RBV across all social media. Well, I don't think I'm back on the air until Monday in the locker room, then back again with you here next week, the Hitting the Marks podcast. But until then, 
Hashtag Free Britney. Hey, hey, what what about the new dot com? Don't you got a new dot com to plug? Oh yeah, that that's coming. Oh. Hit that oh. So we both got major announcements coming. Hmm. What could it be? What could it be? Keep up with Jargo and RBV. We'll talk to you next week here on the Hitting the Marks podcast. For now, we're off like a prom day. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. You bad guy! I'll be your bad guy.